The Dime is sponsored by ETH Revolution. The cannabis industry has unique challenges, which means you need a multifaceted partner to help you navigate the landscape. ETH Revolution has a team of experienced science and business experts to provide a unique analytical approach, providing services from capital to cannabinoid and everything in between. This is The Dime. Dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. As always, I've got my right-hand man, Ellen Finney, here with me. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Martine Pierre. Martine, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I miss my afternoon joint after the gym, but I'm doing good. <laughs> Ellen, how are you doing? Doing well. Just uh, watching the leaves change, starting to change out here in Colorado. It's like summer's over. Here comes fall. Wow. But so it's beautiful. You know, two, really beautiful. two really negative style introductions. <laughs> so we'll have to turn that around and bring it today. So Martine, for our listeners, I think it'd be great for them to get a little backstory about you. My name's Martine. I am of Haitian descent. My family is from Haiti and Dominican Republic. From Miami, I have my MBA. I am a marketer by trade. I've been in the digital marketing realm since I would say about 2012. I'm OG here. Um, so I actually was going to be a lawyer. I was going to go to law school. I graduated with my bachelor's in philosophy and uh, I got an internship with DHS. And I said, oh my God, I hate lawyers. Because <laughs> <laughs> I worked with them and I was like, they're miserable. I don't want this. So um, I took like a year off, traveled a little bit. I actually quit my job and I went to Africa. Like I had a mad crazy <laughs> I had like a mad crazy breakdown when I was like 26. And I was like, you know what? Forget this job. And I quit and I went straight to Africa. It was literally like a one-way ticket. And I went to Egypt and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go have fun somewhere else that's very, very far away from you guys and like figure out my life. So by the time I came back, I was in my MBA program. I graduated in my MBA program. And then I got my start in a yachting firm. So I was working with a yachting firm in Fort Lauderdale. My favorite family over there. Love them. Select yachts. Shout out to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's my girl. And, you know, I got introduced to like the little finer things in life. Mind you, like, so because I was doing their social media marketing and I was doing their digital marketing in general. So um, I would go on trips and I would be able to go to my favorite place that I went to was probably Grenada. I was doing a campaign with the Grenada Tourism for their yacht show because most places have like yacht shows. People who work in the yacht industry, like they literally live the life. They have the easiest six figure job ever because all they do is go to cocktail parties and chase people for yachts. <laughs> and it was really dope for the time being. And um, fast forward to 22, 2020, I'm saying 22, to 2020, I literally like, which is how most people ended up finding me. I had this tweet go viral because of my experience working in the cannabis industry as a marketer. Like I got a gig while I was working in the yacht industry because I wanted to get my foot into the cannabis war. Always wanted to be in the cannabis space. Didn't know how to get there. So I had a friend of mine who introduced me to these guys out in Costa Mesa who needed somebody to do their um, social media marketing. And I didn't even treat, charge them a lot. I'm like, you know what? Let me just charge them some peanuts just so I can get the gig and really understand and learn what's going on in this space. So when I started to get my start in there, I'm like, wait a minute, there's no women. I'm like, why don't you know black people? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and um, I started doing more research online and I felt like 
I kept falling into this rabbit hole of information about cannabis and cannabis businesses. Because there's like no, if you go on, if you Google and you go on YouTube, you will literally have a overload of information when it comes to the cannabis industry, because there's so much outdated information on the internet right now. So I told myself, I I was like, you know what? I want to help more Black men and women get into the cannabis space. So I just tweeted it out. I was like, yo, like, hey, I want to create a Slack community and share the resources and the information that I learned about cannabis during my time to help you guys. I'm thinking only two or three people are going to respond. And I had over 4,000 retweets. I had 2,000 responses. Many of those responses who were from people inside of the cannabis industry already and saying, hey, how can we help you with this initiative to move forward? So, you know, we started with a tweet and now we're here. Literally 10 months later, we have an MVP. We have a wait list of almost 4,000 people, which to me is insane because that's pretty much how Product Hunt blew up in AngelList. They blew up because they built their community before they built the platform. So the cool thing about having this waitlist was I was able to do surveys. So I built my envy around my community and the people who were telling me what they needed and what they wanted and what they did not have. And that's how we ended up building the MVP. So we're here now, you know, whoever wanted to throw us some coins, hey. But um, we're just here to make our introductions to the world. And another really dope thing that I realized was I wasn't just getting messages from people here, Black and brown people here in the United States. I was getting messages from people from South Africa, people from Germany. I was getting messages from Black and brown people in London, in the UK. I was getting messages from people in Lesotho. I was literally getting messages from people in Colombia, meaning this is not just a United States issue. It's a global issue that Black and brown people are having a hard time getting into the space. So that right there just validated the entire concept and validated this company for me. I think it's an incredible story. And I love when you focus on building the community first and building the product around the, the community with their needs based on the data. I think that's so valuable. And before we kind of dive into there, I want to come back to that first thought process, right? You send out the tweet, things start to go viral, things get out of control kind of quickly, right? You're like, what is happening? Is there is there a part of you that's going through this wondering, like, am I diving into cannabis right now? Take us through the thought process when you're kind of deliberating whether or not I'm going to do cannabis or I'm just kind of passing. Oh my God. So let me tell you what happened, right? So after the tweet went viral, I started to have, I literally had people in my DMs like, hey, we'll help you build the platform. Like, what do you need us to do? I had so many people in my DMs and like, I was overwhelmed. That's why I was like, oh my God, I have to keep up this momentum. This is my chance. So I created the landing page. I'm a marketer. (laughs) I created the landing page and I'm like, hey, don't DM me no more because I ain't going (laughs) to read it. I got enough. You want to join this platform? Go ahead and sign up for the wait list. So that's how I started building my wait list. And then I would keep people. And then, so right after that, my brother, I met this, my co-founder, I actually met her at a conference. It was called the Boss Conference in 2019. My brother, unbeknownst, she was a speaker. She's a funding expert and she's helped women raise over $4 million. I did not know her at the time, but my brother kept telling me for weeks, like, hey, I have a client I want you to meet. She lives here. Um, I think you guys would mesh well. She's has the same visions as you. Ended up being her. 
who was at the conference. So as soon as that tweet went viral, I called her and I was like, um, I think I'm ready to now to build this cannabis company that I've been talking about. Because in 2019, I literally acted and I was like, yo, like, what's up with the funding? It's almost a million dollars to get a dispensary or something. And it's, it's just so crazy, the evolution of what I wanted in the cannabis industry, because I wanted to be the hot girl with the dispensary and, you know, growing and all that other stuff. But as I started learning, I'm like, oh, snap, there's no money in this. Yeah, like, cannabis, the game is expensive. <laughs> the game is so expensive. And I think people sometimes forget just how how expensive it is. And I and I love your approach. And it's it seems like the the stars started to align and you just kind of took the path. And, and I give you a ton of props for kind of going with it because it's a challenging moment. Sometimes people see that opportunity and they're like, now's not the right time. But you dove right in and I'm excited to kind of dive into it. So that, it's the name. Cannolution. So I was sitting down with her um, and she's like, what do you want to do? So she was like, all right, let's do a brain dump. So I literally did a brain dump with her. And mind you, I've always wanted to, I've always had an idea like Tantalution, but it was going to be a website. Never did it. But, you know, when I sat down, I was like, you know, this is, or these are the things I want to do. So I did an entire brain dump. And I mean, I brain dumped everything in my mind since 2016, because that's when I really wanted to get into the industry, right? After that, she looked back at me and she was like, sis, I think you have a billion dollar idea here. And I was like, wait a minute. Say it again. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? And so she sat back and she was like, what would you want to call this? And I was like, you know, I feel like this is a revolution. So Candolution, like we're here to revolutionize the industry. Because the way I told her, I, you know, I'm not here to pioneer this industry. I always tell people that. I'm not here to pioneer. I'm here to disrupt, which is a big key difference. Disruption means like you coming up and then you shaking the whole goddamn table right. and I'm coming to shake the table. Um, and to me, there's a fundamental difference being an app because I said I cannot be at the mercy of Facebook. Facebook deletes cannabis companies every single day. I mean, truly, literally just had their Instagram community. They're deleting people back and forth. And I was like, you know what? We can't be at the mercy of Facebook. So we got to have an app. Like we have to own our IP. We have to own our data. We have to be the ones that own this platform 100% because that's going to be the only way that we make a difference and an impact on a global scale. I love it. So sneak peek, tell us like what, what's in the inside, kind of how it works, what it looks like. I know it's not released yet, but maybe just kind of like a, a little peek behind the curtain. No, absolutely. So basically the way that I branded it was as a digital HBCU. So we're paying homage to HBCU, historical black colleges, because I think it's really important to make that distinction. And I, and, and as much allies as we have, I really wanted people to understand like, hey, though I'm building this in an HBCU manner, that does not mean that our allies are not invited to the party. Y'all sure. can come to the cookout, but just know this is the problem that I'm solving and I am representing these people because they are not represented right now. You can still come to the party. It's enough room for all of us. Um, so the app is basically an HBCU style digital type of app. So what you can think of, think masterclass. Okay. Think masterclass, but cannabis. That's the best explanation that I can give you. Think masterclass, but cannabis. But the best feature that we have is that we have a voice feature we are currently building where it will be different auditoriums and people can go into these auditoriums and we will have live sessions. Because to me, it's one thing to, I have an MBA. I think the way that teaching goes on right now is going to die. 
I think universities are going to die. People are going to be tired of paying hundreds of thousands of dollars every single year to get a piece of paper and go out into a job that's going to pay them $15 an hour. They're going to want to take the easy route. So the way we built Canolution was, one, to make it affordable, we have to build a grand scale, right? We have to have mass people on here to keep the price low. Because I started looking at the price ranges and mind you, like, I'm a marketer, so I'm looking underneath the hood. I'm looking at Amsterdam, I'm looking at High Times, I'm looking at Herb, and I'm looking at all of these different cannabis companies that are also media companies. But I'm like, okay, how are we going to do this? We're going to do this by creating media, but media content that is educational and it's in a storytelling manner. Because I think having someone who's an expert, I have my MBA and I will be 100% honest, majority of the things that I learned on the street, I still utilize today in marketing versus the things that I learned in school. Because a lot of the things that you learn in school get outdated. So it's a yearly subscription business model. You'll be able to pay for it on the yearly. And that's only the premium side because we also have the freemium side where you'll be able to interact with people live. So if you really think about it, it's kind of like a TikTok for cannabis with cannabis education, but also a masterclass because we have an entire premium content course that goes from financial literacy talking about stocks because not everybody should be a business owner. Like, let's just go there. I don't think everybody should be a business owner. And some people know good goddamn well they don't need to be a business owner, especially in Canvas. So, so, you know, I still feel like people still shouldn't be left out in this industry because I think it can build generational wealth for Black families. And we know how big the wealth gap is. So we also want to show people like, hey, you can be buying stocks right now and in 10 years, possibly be a millionaire. Because you're constantly putting this money into these cannabis stocks. And cannabis stocks are at a discount right now. They're dirt cheap. They are dirt cheap. So it's all about teaching people like, hey, there's so many different ways that you can get into this industry. And it doesn't have to be the dispensary. I'm trying to get people out of that mindset that says you need to own a dispensary or the grower's license in order for you to make money. And the reality is your ancillary business might be here before this, these MSOs, because let's keep it 100. Most of them are going to be bought out by bigger MSOs. Your barrier to entry is a lot smaller too. As an ancillary company that's not touching the plant, you get to play real business games versus the amount of red tape and, and yep. other regulations you have to deal with from an operator perspective. is It's insane. Yep. It's just crazy, exactly. right? Like the whole the whole concept too. And like, as, as the industry kind of unfolds, more and more people are, like you're saying, Martin, are very interested in being cannabis. And the first thing everyone always says, at least to me is, Oh, Brian, I want to own a dispensary or, oh, Brian, like I've grown weed in college. Like, can you get me a growing job? And it's like, that's great, dude. But like, it's very different. And I'm sorry. I don't think you're going to put that as like a resume builder when you do that. And there, there are so many other opportunities to get involved in the space, right? It is not that one. And I, I love that you focus on education because I couldn't agree more. First, from an outside industry standpoint, I'm with you hundred percent, right? Universities, that whole standpoint. Very, very different. My MBA was a very different style MBA. It was completely online and it was taught different style, not by traditional teachers. Because I'm with you, I hate, I hate the traditional standpoint of sitting there. It annoys me to no end. Plus, I'm a contrarian. I like to always push on the other sides of it. Teachers don't really like to hear that. My teacher's fan is like this. Like, but it's actionable. It's actionable, right? You're teaching actions, ways to actually implement these concepts. Not like, hey, like this is the way we taught it in 1933. We know the world has changed and we know you have a calculator now, but like 
you still got to do it on the back exactly. of the napkin. Exactly. And that's why we did the yearly subscription too, because the reality is cannabis is going to be changing every single day. Oh yeah. It it's does. changing every single day now. And over the next few years, it's going to continue to change and you're going to need new information. You're not going to get that new information from a course that somebody did five years ago. No way. And this key difference when I look at how so many different educators are teaching about this, I feel like it needs to be taught differently. People want to connect with other people. People relate to stories. People relate to founders who have a story to tell. And I think it's so important for people to hear from people who are already in the industry. Why do I want someone to teach me who has zero experience in what I am trying to do? So that's why when I thought about how we're going to create the content, I was like, I do not want to do the traditional style of academia because I think it's broken. Yeah. And those SaaS models, man, those multiples of those SaaS, those SaaS companies <laughs> sell for, it's hard not to bring that up because those multiples are quite beautiful. So Kellen, I want to bring in from your standpoint, because we always, always, always talk about education, right? Like Martine's taken a massive undertaking by simplifying this into an app and trying to educate that because the masses, they need so much. So from an educational standpoint, like where would you even start? I mean, when I first got in the industry, it was such a challenge from like a scientific perspective because there was this blackout of scientific research in the US, right? So you didn't really have any like primary literature to go off of. And then like the other side of that coin was I could then go to Instagram, Right. And I'm literally sitting on Instagram or some of these blogs where I'm just like trying to figure out who is actually telling the truth or who's making things up. Right. So there's no like peer vetted information out there, which was a nightmare. So then at the end of the day, I was just like, all right, well, I'll just go try this and see what happens. Right. And like that's just so counterproductive in terms of trying to run an economically viable business. Right. You're just like, oh, I'll just go waste a bunch of money and see if this guy that I, befriended on Instagram was actually telling the truth or not, right? So like this type of product is needed not only in retail, not only in cultivation, not but it's in every single aspect of the entire supply chain, right? I mean, you can, all of like the quote unquote, really, really good growers are people who went and worked for someone who'd been doing it for 20, 30 years, right? And so like the same goes with with the the, the extraction portion of it. And the marketing portion is brand new, right? Because like, 20 years ago, there was probably not significant cannabis marketing going on, right? <laughs> no packaging or branding or anything like that. And so like, that is a completely new, fresh plate that people are trying to figure out what to put on and what, what tastes good and what works, right? And so I think that at the end of the day, like the education is absolutely the most important aspect. And I mean, the universities can't touch it right now because it's technically federally illegal. And so you've created this situation that is really challenging for operators to find qualified individuals. And then once they do find someone who's passionate and intelligent, okay, now you're going to face this steep hill where they're just going to have to go figure it out on their own. Like there's not this like baseline of like courses and all these other things. And I think we were talking about on another episode, we were talking about like CPAs, right. And like how they have to go get accredited and they take classes. Like you guys are both have your MBA. You had to go, take a class and get like a stamp on a piece of paper that says like, I check these boxes that doesn't exist for the cannabis industry. And I mean, perfect examples like bud tenders at a retail level, right? Like 
You could go to four different dispensaries and talk to four different bud tenders. You could get four different stories about a strain and the different terpenes and, and how that's going to interact with your body. And it's like, none of them were doctors and they're all just kind of going off of anecdotal evidence. And so being able to standardize the information transfer across these different uh, sectors in the supply chain is going to just be one of the most important things I think for the industry to a curb the cultural stigma B, help solidify and standardize the process across the country and, and across the world, really. So I think it's it's an unbelievable idea. I do think it is a billion-dollar idea. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But beyond that, like, another thing, like, a key point that I also tell people about Canolution, too, is that, so we we finally got, like, our first brand partner. That was another way that I validated my idea, too, because I started getting all these MSO founders, like big MSO founders. I'm talking about the top tier one coming into my DMs like, hey, what are you working on? And I'm like, <laughs> hey, let's have a call and I can tell you. <laughs> that's um, but that, that really validated my idea. And we scored a brand partnership like that, which we have four more potential brand partnerships pending. And we haven't even launched. So that tells you like how game changing this can be as long as we have the right people who are on our team. We have the right people who are our allies, of course, because the thing that I wanted to introduce, what I told these MSO executives was, look, you guys have all the resources and the money. And I'm sorry to say this, just like everybody else, social equity for a lot of people is not working. It's leaving a lot of people out. So you guys are the change. That needs to be in order for things to really be changed. You guys are the ones who can make things different because you have the resources, you have the funding to do it. So another thing that we're doing at Canalution is everybody who goes through our, you become a subscriber, you become a member. We want to eventually during phase two, take on people who are in the legacy market and build that bridge for them between the MSOs. Because that's how you build key partnerships to me. To me, MSOs should be going to people. And when I tell you, like, the coolest thing about going viral was that I had so many people sending me free stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I had, like, this guy who sent me this amazing infused hot sauce. He had a lemon pepper sauce. And then he had another, like, chili spicy sauce that he makes infused. And he's in Orlando. And I was like, hold up. These are the type of people that MSOs should be vetting. These are the type of people you guys should be creating brands with because they can take the company to a whole nother level because you can take his recipe, you know, add your little razzle dazzle to make sure that it's legal for the FDA and create a partnership that's going to change somebody's life and also put some coins in both people's pockets. Let's keep it 100. Um, and satisfy consumers, right? I would love to use hot sauce. <laughs> these are the people that we should be serving. These are the people because they bring so much to the table. They bring fresh ideas and new things that you just never sat there and really thought about. So one of the things that I told these MSOs was like, I was like, hey, you guys can not only provide your resources because I don't want to just take a check from you. You guys can come in and you guys can mentor our subs. You guys can come in and say, hey, we want to probably invest into this sub because it's going to be some of those people. And and the thing about building a community is, is that community founds finds community. So can you imagine how many co-founders can be created within the app, end up getting funding, and then becomes another unicorn? It's a domino effect. 
but it has to start somewhere. So just having the support of people in the industry, having the support of people who wanted this, like I said, like my, my customers found me, I didn't find them. And that was like the easiest thing ever for me because I did not have to do the work. And then they built the product for me because they told me what they wanted. A lot of companies don't listen to their consumers. Your consumers can literally be telling you in the comments, here's what I think you should change. And a lot of companies won't even look at that. Like, how are you going to evolve? And the way that I look at the industry and we're moving from, because when I, even when I look at some of the weed, like, I don't know what is a sativa sometimes. I can't tell the difference sometimes. And most people, they do not care about that stuff. They just want to know how high they're going to get. But we're going to be moving away from that really grower style type of language for products into a more customer centric type of market for cannabis because most customers are not savvy. They don't know what terpenes are. I didn't know until this year. Like, you know, I'm still learning myself. There's a lot of things that people don't know when it comes to the science of cannabis. You don't even know that they have an endocannabinoid system. Exactly. The learning curve is so much, especially here from like an East Coast standpoint. I mean, we are so far behind just from an educational standpoint. And I want to go back to one of the things you said, because I think it's so, so powerful. Like the app, creating the safe haven between the legacy operators and like the MSOs there is such an important vehicle that's not discussed enough because the people that help kind of keep this industry going when it is illegal, like some of them are so hesitant to come back out, right? Like they're not sure if things are, are going to become an issue, if they're going to get raided. I mean, some of the stories we've been told, it makes sense why they're not trusting of the situation now because their entire life they've been kind of morph into not trusting situations around them. So having that kind of like safe haven where they can feel like protected enough where they can feel trust, which is the most important part, I think, in building relationships is that trust aspect and helping them kind of connect with these operators because you're right. Like, why would these MSOs not gobble up these, these individuals who have all this experience or else they have to go find some classically trained chef and be like, hey, you have to cook with this ingredient now. I know this other guy's done it for 25 years, but we can't get him to leave his house. It's dumb. Like, right. why would you go backwards? I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. Everything that's already here has already been done. Like, you know, I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. Why would I go back and hire somebody who has no experience in doing this when you literally have people who are in the legacy market that you can be talking to creating different partnerships with. Like, let's really consider how much the cannabis industry is going to be worth. I mean, I've heard people saying that it might be worth a trillion dollars one day. There's enough money to go around. There's enough. It's crazy. It's crazy money. So let's let's kind of dive into like, I, I know no single day is ever the same, especially in the cannabis industry and especially with the, the route you're taking. So if you had to give us kind of like a, a sneak peek on what an, a, an average day is like for you, Martine, can you kind of share what that would be? Sure. So I'm normally up between like 4.30 in the morning and 5. Meditate. I do my whole journaling thing. Definitely got to, because you got to keep your mind right. Uh, <laughs> During the pandemic, like, I mean, <sighs> the yeah. pandemic did a number having to sit inside of this house all day. So, you know, I do my normal meditation, my gratitude, all that good stuff. Then I hit the gym. Well, no, not before I smoke my morning joint. You know, I got to leave. You have a certain strain you like for that or a certain um, go to product? I definitely like hybrids. Um, I'm a hybrid girl, love Blue Dream. There's so, I'm definitely a hybrid girl. 
but I like I like having my joint in the morning before I go to the gym. It gives me the extra force <laughs> to work out. That's ain't right. And then I come home, I do my thing, and then I just get right to work by 10. I don't like starting work before 10. My yachting manager got me into that because she's like, who wants to work before 10 a.m.? I'm not even out of bed by seven. And she said that and I was like, oh my God, that's how I want my company to be. I don't want my people's working that damn early. And you know, even when I think about Canada, you know, I, people are acting like, do you want to have a headquarters? Do you want to do this? And I'm like, Canva only meets eight times a year. Why can't we be Canva? Like we're digital, we're virtual. Why in the extra money? Shot on. So, so take us through like the role with Canolution. Like what are, what what's you're going through now? Like what are your priorities? Like how, how does that work? So right now, like my biggest priority is definitely raising the rest of these funds so that we can fully launch the platform in a meaningful way. Um, like I said, I'm a marketer. So and I'm not trying to put out the perfect product because I know it will never be perfect, right? But I want to make sure that like I only got one shot, you know, because people are like when they hyped up about something. And the crazy thing is, it's been a year since we went viral, right? Been a year since we went viral. We're still keeping up the momentum. And it's like, I can't put out something minor. And people are like, this is what she had us waiting for a year for. <laughs> <laughs> so Such a good I, point. Yeah. Like I have to keep up the momentum. And I felt like I had to create strategic partnerships with people who are already in the industry. Because these are the people who are giving me intros. These are the people who are telling me like, hey, you know, I think you should really talk to this person because I think they'll be really good to do this for you. Or I think you should really talk to this person. And because I'm big on ownership, I'm all about making sure that people have equity. I made sure like the, one of the first things when I sat down with my managing partner, I was like, yo, like we have to take out at least 15 to 20% of equity for employees. Because I think happy employees are what makes companies run well. And I want the company to run well. So I want to make sure that these people have an incentive to make sure it runs well. So definitely want to make sure that employees are going to have equity within the company. And they're going to have some type of ownership too. I definitely want to make sure that people are going to be comfortable working with us. It's all about me also reading a lot. I've been reading so much about leadership. This is my first rodeo. Like, I don't know nothing about being a startup founder. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just sitting here absorbing as much information that I can so that one, I'm mentally prepared to take on the actions of a company that's going to be a billion dollar company, right? But also to be able to deal with the pressures of everyday life. Because at the end of the day, I'm still human and shareholders don't give a damn. You better get up, girl, and do what you got to do. So I have to prepare myself. So this entire time, I'm in the gym. I'm working out. I'm getting my body right. I'm getting my mind right. And yeah, so I can come and destroy. Love it. Love it. So let's continue on that path. Lioness of marketing. <laughs> Where did it come from? That came from my boss in yachting. So <laughs> one just day, give all the listeners, just because I didn't give any context, I just went for it. Can you give the listeners like where, where that is and how that applies to you? So my boss, I love her so much. My boss is literally like one of those hippie type of people. And she know that I'm, I wanted to do be in the cannabis industry. And like one day she was sitting inside of the kitchen because I was working from her house. Like that's how cool it was. I was literally working inside of my boss's house. We, we, I never worked inside of a regular office. So I'm inside of the kitchen, you know, 
eating the refrigerator as usual. And she comes to me and she asked me, she's like, because I guess she saw something on CNN about student loans. And she's like, how are you ever going to pay your student loans? I was like, girl, I'm going to be a millionaire one day. I was like, I'm going to pay the one lump sum because I'm not going to see. I said, Uncle Sam is not going to make me not have sleep at night for no student loans because they can yeah. take this piece of paper right back. Yeah. If that's the case. I was like, I'm just going to pay the one lump sum. And that's when she started laughing and talking. And she was like, she was like, you know, you're like the lioness of Yachty because, you know, you're so young, you're fresh, you're new into this. And she's like, and I was like, hmm, I'm kind of like the lioness of Yachty. And then I went and I bought the domain. And then I went and bought the domain for Lioness of Marketing. And then I went and bought the domain for Lioness of Cannabis. And I was like, you know what? I like collecting domains, so I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing better than collecting domains and being like, this is perfect. I'm just going to sit on this for a long time. Listen, I'm about to have get up on my renew. I got at least 60 domains. <laughs> they're ideas, though. They're, they're all ideas. Because every all time ideas. I come out with an idea, that's the first thing I say. First step. But, like, do it. but like, oh, somebody not gonna get me. No Let way. me go get this domain because if this becomes popping, they're gonna be charging me five thousand dollars for this domain instead of the twelve. So let me go and get it right now. And that's literally what I did. I mean, like, because I, I kept posting about joints and mimosas, and I seen every uh, so many girls kept saying, "Oh my god, can I join you?" Because like every Sunday, me and my sister like we smoke joints and like we. Drink mimosas. That's what we do. I hope you got um, that domain. If, if that goes, you're going to be very... I did. Upset. I bought joints in mimosas.com. Good. And I'm like, Good. one day I'm going to do a retreat like this. Well, sign me up. Hopefully that'll be gender... Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. I am coming <laughs> by that. Um, maybe not a mimosa, but definitely the joint in the morning. You're not a big mimosa guy? I don't like orange juice. Have you I ever love had mimosas. A, I love mimosas. <laughs> You ever had a watermelon mimosa or a, no. a pineapple mimosa? No, I could do the pineapple one. The watermelon, I'd be very interested in trying. There's such a good watermelon because I'm I'm a brunch person. There's like such a good watermelon mimosas that people make and they make it like with fresh watermelon juice. Oh, I'm in for that. Me that. Yeah, that sounds great. I, I, I love the story about the buying the domains. I can't tell you how many times and it, I hope it's less than 10 just thinking out loud where I would go out, have <laughs> conversations with friends and I'd wake up the next morning and it'd be like, what are all these receipts from GoDaddy about? Like, what did what did I do? And it's like, <laughs> oh no! So I did take those steps on that conversation, like I said I would, because you're right. Like in those moments when you're having those conversations, you're like, I'm not forgetting about this one, and you just stack it up in the vault, and there are ideas for another time. Exactly, because you may not have the coins now, but the coins might come later. So you're like, all right, I'm going to tap back into this one day. Right, and you can sell that concept to your investors. Be like, I've got 47 other ideas ready to go. Are you ready to hear them? And it's funny because like, I'm one of those people, like I'm always, and my boyfriend always laughs at me because he's like, like sometimes I get into this space where I will literally sit inside of my room. Like my, my boyfriend, my sister's boyfriend told me, he was like, I think you can do time because <laughs> he was like, I know you can do, um, I think you can do time because the way you sit inside of your room, you never come out, not even for air. I know you can definitely do some time. Yeah, because it'd be like, literally, I literally be like in a solitary confinement in my room, like a little mastermind. Because I don't know, I have sometimes when I'm really excited about something, I will obsess over it for at least a week. And then I sit in my room like a little evil genius, like Kanye, (laughs) 
until like I get it out of my system. Like I got to write down, then I got to do the research and then I got to make sure that I connect the research to the Google Doc and then I got to share it with whoever I think I know could make me make this work. That's just how I am. Not always been like that. Hence the reason Candelusha came about. <laughs> I love it. I respect the process too. Very, very yeah. similar in that style. And you, you got to go for it, right? And like everyone has their own and, and you got to go from there. So to slightly switch gears, I was listening to a podcast with Tahir Johnson, Cannabis Diversity Report, who will definitely be on our podcast coming up. Shout out to Tahir. You dropped a really valuable tidbit that I want to kind of bring up and get you to expand on your point. You discussed burner and cookies and the importance of building personal brand around a company. Can you kind of dive into that? Absolutely. So I feel like the most successful entrepreneurs of our time also have personal brands. If you look at Elon Musk, if you look at Steve Jobs, if you look at all these, I mean, mine is Zuck. Zuckerberg kind of like, he ain't always there. <laughs> but um, if you look at majority of the people who are really successful, they have a personal brand. And the reality is, unfortunately, even though most people don't want, like, I don't want to be the face of Candolution. I always told people that, that, but I am the face whether I want to be or not, because people are familiar with me. So even as I bring on my COO, my CFO and my CTO and all these other people, and they're going to interact with them too, but they're always going to revert back to me because they know Candolution through Martine. They know what I'm doing because of Martine. So I think when you're building, when you look at cookies, cookies is not necessarily popular because it's something that is... I would say, you know, it's not popular because it's something that's, oh my God, out of the world. It's popular because their person that created it is popular. He has an amazing personal brand. And then beyond building that personal brand, he built an amazing company brand. Everywhere you go, when you see that little C, you know what it is. So building out, that's why I always tell a lot of people, I spent like my first angel investor, my mommy, my mom gave me $15,000 and I also had about $15,000 saved up in my account. And I was like, mom, like, I know you think marijuana is crack, but girl, I think I'm on something. I'm gonna need a little bit of coins. And you know, that's just the type of trust that my mom had (laughs) with me. And she understood my vision. When I told her and I sat down and I explained mom patient. So I explained to her in Creole. I was like, mom, this is what I want to do. This is what can happen. And this is what I want to do in the future. Because in the future, like one of my biggest things is to go back to Haiti and help rebuild. I would love to have hemp in Haiti. I think hemp in Haiti would allow us to one, redevelop our um, GD, um, our economy, because let's keep it 100, we're an agricultural country. Two, it would allow us to help create better infrastructure because when these earthquakes happen, it, it it's more casualties because the infrastructure is weak. It's old. It needs to be rebuilt. And then when you think about hemp on the environmental level, it can revitalize the soil in this country. So there's so many opportunities on a global scale to create generational wealth in cannabis, not just in the United States, globally. And hopefully one day I can take that back home to my mother's ancestors land and make sure that these people have means because I put this in place. And we literally, the, the, the most amazing thing that I learned about Haiti is that all of the agricultural processes are by women. Women are farming the land, women are doing the marketing, and women are doing the selling. So you have someone going into Haiti who's teaching these women how to grow him, sell him, 
and market him. You're creating generational wealth for their family for years. And then imagine when exporting and importing the United States opens up and it also opens up around the world. Now, Haiti has an opportunity to be importing and exporting. I think there's so much that we can do in this space. And I'm just super excited to just, you know, I need the coins, of course, can't do it more. (laughs) But I'm just excited because there's so many things that I want to do. But yes, building a personal brand, in my opinion, is super important when you're building out a company and building out your company's brand. Because when you die, you don't want to be like, you don't, you don't want your company to die with you. So you have to build a strong company brand. Like I spent over $10,000 on my brand for my UX. I, I did not fuck around. Excuse me. Excuse my French. <laughs> like I did not play about the branding. I was like, everything else even the goddamn technology, because you can always fix it. But that branding, gotta be on point. somebody sees that logo, they already know who it is. And that's really important because you have to leave that imprint on people's minds. Yeah, the sh- and the, the swag aspect, right? Like the merchandise, the, the yep. ability for Burner to push that stuff. That's so, so smart. And it's one of those where it's like, it's not a new play, right? Like other industries do it. Other, other founders are doing it. And it's, it's a good strategic move now when people are building those, because one thing we talk about on this podcast, do brands travel, right? With the state-to-state issues, things like that. People aren't so familiar with these brands, but cookies for sure, it's really starting to travel. And it's one of those where when people see it, they're like, I got to try that product. Some people aren't really sure why. They're like, oh, it's cookies. I got to try it. So Kellen, to come back to you, is there any other brands that you can think of just on the scale that are on cookies level? Select, I think. But I mean, Select was a brand that was acquired for a billion dollars, right? Like purely bought the Select brand. And so it's the only one I could technically probably compare. But at the end of the day, I think that Cookies has more of a a deeper and more respect from like the actual cannabis community than Select does, in, in my personal opinion. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people from every different state and and every operator in, in the in the industry, in the cannabis industry, has a lot of respect for Burner, has a lot of respect for cookies, and, and they know them, right? And then select, you kind of get a wishy-washy response, if you will, from a lot of these operators. And so, yeah, that, that would be the only other brand I could even think of, right? But like, you talk to a lot of people and like, I'm in Colorado and the dispensary I, I typically go to does not carry select. Right. And so Cure Leaf is not actively pushing their brand in, in Colorado versus, and they have a lot more moving parts, if you will. I think it's really, really smart what Burner's Journey doing in, turn, in terms of just focusing on the brand. They don't do a lot of cultivation themselves. They, they have a certain procurement team. So they have a quality that, that their partners need to meet, but it frees up resources for them to do exactly what they're doing right now versus. Cure Leaf has a bazillion different things going on and Select is just one of, I think, a dozen different brands they're currently trying to support across the country. And so because of that, there's so many different needy departments within Cure Leaf. You can see that they're not just focusing on pushing that one brand, but that's the only one. Maybe Wild, right? Actually, Wild would be the other brand now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, but they don't have a face those, though, right? Like they, like, I think no, that's but those gummies problem. though are like sure, sure. hands down For the sure. best gummies across the country in my opinion. <laughs> I, I wouldn't dispute that, but I, I think it's the face, right? And I think Martin, like yeah. you were saying, like you, you recognize that you have to be the face of it because people are going to associate you with it. So kind of owning that moment, whether or not you want to do it, 
I think is really, really special because it, it isn't easy, but it is, if you can do it right, it is so, so valuable for your company. And I'm excited to kind of see you kind of continue on that path and, and take those steps. No, absolutely. I just told myself, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to be like Beyonce. I don't respond to nothing. I don't answer nothing. I don't make no comments. We still don't know what happened in the elevator with Solange and Jay. So, you know, that's the type of... <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the type of life I said I'm going to enjoy. You, I'm a, When y'all want to talk about some cannabis, hi. When you want to talk about cannabis, hey. I think a lot of people hate putting their personal brand out there because it is your personal life. But it's up to you how much of your personal life you choose to give people. And I'm choosing, Beyonce is able, and that's another thing I told myself, like I study Beyonce, like I, I want the Beyonce type of marketing. You know? That's the way to go. I'm, I want the surprise album, you drop on them and they just still go crazy type of thing because you can't buy that. Word of mouth is always going to be the best form of marketing. You cannot buy the type of influence that Beyonce has. Beyonce can literally drop something today and it's gone in 20 seconds. So if you're able to create a strong brand and a strong personal brand on top of what you already have, there's no way your company can't win. And I feel like building a strong brand is going to be what separates a lot of cannabis companies moving forward because customers are going to be more familiar. And of course, the quality. Because I'm sorry, there's a lot of weed that's popular that's not good. <laughs> yes. Couldn't agree more. I think I read one time about Beyonce, and I think what she uses is she uses like an alter ego and she separates herself from Beyonce and, and, and she's she she's she's playing Beyonce, right? So like in those moments where it is hard for her, she understands that she has to play that role. And I think that's an incredible way of separating the situations because it has to be so so hard for her because Obviously, she can't live like a everyday normal life. Just walk down to like the shop, right? To like go get a couple of groceries. That's that's not going to happen for her. No, absolutely. And I'm so grateful that I can it can happen for me. I hope so that it can stay continue to be that way. Let me say. Let me say. Cool. So let's let's slightly switch gears. Since you've been to the cannabis industry, what is the biggest misconception you've experienced? See, the biggest misconception is that it's easy that. First of all, banging is a nightmare. I literally do not put anything canna in my name for the incorporation papers in order for us to get banking. Like banking is a nightmare. Like I feel like people think that when you come into this industry, you're just going to smoke weed all day with your coworkers and you're not going to do any work. You're just going to be stoned and like enjoy life. And it's nowhere near that like this industry is 10 times harder than any other industry you've ever been with because you not only have the banks against you you also got the federal government against you and they can come into your spot whenever they feel like it and do what they please because technically weed is still federally illegal at this moment i think a lot of people don't think about of the simple fact that weed is illegal at the federal level even though yes it is legal in multiple states and it is becoming better more and more americans are saying hey we should legalize this thing but the the politics of weed the politics of weed is crazy and the so stigma crazy. too right the stigma yeah. of it is too is like it's so hard you can tell people the the industry and the app you're working on and sometimes you catch somebody in, in a certain location and their response is like you're doing what you're, you're working for what industry Right. Or yeah. you tell them you work in cannabis and I get this all the time. And they're like, 
oh, so how's growing weed going? And I'm like, I don't know how to grow weed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. And they're like, oh, you don't just grow weed if you work in the weed industry? Massive and disappointment like, to that person. <laughs> totally, yeah. right? And, and the stigma too of like smoking all day. Like if you work at a liquor store, people, people ask you, hey, did you drink Jack Daniels all day? Like, I don't think people really ask that. <laughs> and if they point. did, like it's none of their business. And it's wild to me because I'm like, yo, like your generation was on playludes. Right. What? Why are yeah. you? Who are we to judge? Who are we <laughs> to judge? Why are you here? Your Should we talk about the things you've done? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are you saying? Like, yeah. come on. We know you was out here tripping on some stuff. You were, your generation is the generation of playludes. Let's right. not forget that. It's, it's one of those when they make those statements, I feel like what they really want is you'd be like, you know what? Come in, sit on the couch. Let's talk about it. Tell that's us everything that's going on. Right. Like you, I understand it's been tough for you. You missed the Quaaludes, but like, <laughs> let's talk about something. All right. Before we do predictions, we ask all of our guests one question. If you could sum up your experience into a main takeaway or lesson learned to pass onto the next generation, what would that be? Don't wait, move, go. Because a lot of times, so many people, if, and then timing is also very important. If I would have done Canolution back in 2016 when I had the idea, even though it was just a website and it was nowhere near as complicated as what we're doing now, it wouldn't have been the same as right now. I think what really like made my tweet go viral was because there was so much going on with the George Floyd thing and there was a lot of protest. So a lot of, and you know, the Black community was holding a lot of organizations accountable. Like, hey, you need to fix the things that are going on and here is what we're te- we need you to do. So I felt like a lot of it was, it, I wouldn't even say luck, I would say the perfect timing. Sometimes you have to really think about the timing that you're going to do something, but do it. Like, don't hesitate. If I had hesitated that day when my tweet went viral and I did not take action and kept that momentum, we would not be sitting here having this conversation. 100% agree. And luck can only take you so far and you have to be at the opportunity in order to achieve some four luck. So uh, I think it's perfectly said. So prediction time. This one is definitely going to be a fun one for Kellen. It is 2025. Martine, which marketing technique is the most popular that in 2021 was completely underutilized? It's 2025, right? What is the best marketing technique out there? And in comparison of it, like what is it currently doing right now? I think the best marketing in 2025 is going to be cannabis experiences. I think that once we really have things legal, like the activations are going to be crazy. The cannabis, because think about live events, right? Like when we can get back to going to the live event, people underestimate like how much power live events have. Having a face-to-face conversation with someone versus being on a phone or on social media are two completely different things. I always feel like it's so much easier for me to convince someone when they have a face to the voice. So I think live events and cannabis tourism, like I feel like companies are going to be pumping hella cash into cannabis tourism and pumping hella cash. Because think about the hotels. Hotels are going to get a little, they're going to be like, oh, we're 420 friendly now. So, you know. The industry are going to be looking like, hey, can we go ahead and put this in here and we'll pay you this here? It's going to happen. So as things continue to go, I think we're going to see a lot more advertising in 
peculiar places like hotels. Um, who knows? Like, I really feel like cannabis tourism, like I always tell people, like, if you're going to open up something, open up a 420 friendly hotel or something. Because the amount of times that I have gone out of town and I could not smoke in my hotel, it made me mad. So <laughs> I know so many people who will pay extra to be in these type of places. So I think that event marketing is going to be like the next big thing, maybe before 2025. We'll see. Little bed, breakfast, and blunt for you. That could be, I uh, might have edited that out and go buy that domain before we share. <laughs> <laughs> Kellen, your, your prediction. My prediction is this. I think that in 2025, um, it's like, what, three and a half years away, three years and three months. Uh, I think there'll be a more robust scientific understanding of the effects of different strains and so I think right now, a lot of the marketing surrounding like consumer experience based on like specific strains or chemical profiles doesn't have a really solid foundation to kind of stand on, if you will. And so I think that moving forward by that time, there will be a more robust scientific understanding. I think a lot of big brands will be able to kind of revisit that topic in terms of trying to market some of their products for specific effect end effect or end consumer experiences, if you will. So that's my prediction. I'm going to take kind of the theme of the episode and go with the influencer approach. I think in 2025, if Beyonce can be smoking, whatever she's smoking and people ask her and she's like, Oh, that's my, that's my Beyonce like lunch roll. And people are going to just gobble that up. And everyone who wants to be Beyonce is going to buy those products. I mean, you already see Jay-Z kind of doing that with the monogram. I mean, it, it is beautiful what he's done. And I think once influencers can really own that product placement in their kind of ecosystem space, I think people are going to flock to them. You see all these influencers come out with their own products and all they've really done is just kind of brand their style on top of a white label product. And why would cannabis be any different than that? And it, you can kind of just envision the future of people posting on Instagram, just a, a natural photo of themselves. And with it is like the, the blunt in their hand. I think Beyonce has something up her sleeve, though, because remember, she um, she's opening up. Uh, she talked about her usage of CBD during tour. And um, she said she's going to have, I think, something in something in hemp. She's going to have a hemp farm and a honey farm because, you know, Queen Bee, that's her that's her thing. So she's eventually going to do a hemp and a honey farm. But I'm curious because I would love to know if she's going to have branded products underneath the parent company with her husband. Why not though, right? It'll sell like crazy. I mean, she could go with the infused honey. That'd be pretty sick. Yeah. I mean, that's an easy one for her, right? Like honey straws. Like she got options. Yeah. I mean, Um, it'll be, she probably has like 50 people just spewing ideas and she's like, green like that. No, no, no. That one, we need to wait. This one's amazing. Let's get this one going. I need to try this one. Good for her. But it would make sense for the parent company to pick that up because, I mean, I have looked at their deck and like they talk about Rock Nation and their partnership with Rock Nation. So I'm, I actually feel like, like I know a lot of people don't pay attention. I pay attention to the parent company a lot because I pay attention to their influence. Yep. Um, they may not be one of the biggest MSOs, but when it comes to cultural influence, like you don't get bigger than Jay-Z. No. And, um, and the product category that they created with like the $50 pre-roll is just, and people are buying it. I, I I have to try that. Like that's one of those where like I'll be just upset with the price, but like I'll have to try it one time to see, right? Like I need to see what that's like. And 
I'm curious to hear, like, I haven't seen any people's reactions to it. I haven't seen any negative ones, which I'd expect to see more prominently. People are sometimes a little more vocal when they have negative sentiment to share. But that's how the industry is going to end up being in the future too, right? Because it's like people are either going to be, because that's how consumers are. It's either they're going to be buying the Walgreens of weed or they're going to be buying the Gucci of weed. (laughs) All that stuff caught in the middle, you're not going to sell, unfortunately. And that's where a brand comes in. Amazing. Even if it's in the middle, you got the brand. Because, <laughs> I mean, let's keep it 100. Like, and that's what, that's what makes Burner so, that's what makes his company so amazing. Because even if he, his weed was not the best, you still have the brand. People don't even know. They don't care. They just want to tell you they smoking lunch. Right. You know? Exactly. So it's just going to be crazy within the next couple of years to see where things go. I just really want to see what, like, are we going to be like Amsterdam? And then like Jamaica, like all these places, Jamaica, I would love for Jamaica to become the Amsterdam of the Caribbean. Like, come on. You guys are like the face of weed. When we think of weed, we think about Marley. So like, (laughs) like, why are you guys not capitalizing off cannabis tourism? I think the Caribbean is going to really, really take cannabis tourism to another level too. That's That's a great point. Well, we appreciate your time today. So for all our listeners that want to get in touch, you know, where can they reach you? Um, You guys can definitely reach me where I'm most active, which is Twitter. It's my first name, Martine F. Pierre. Um, You also can definitely reach me on Instagram, which is my name, Martine Francis Pierre. And of course, if you would like to sign up for the wait list, you can go to cannabisian.com. Cool. We'll plug all those in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.